It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. He's on the staff to carry Marty Brenneman's bags. Oh, and to do this podcast. Welcome to the Jim Day Podcast. And hello again, everyone, and welcome into the old podcast. And thank you, Joe Z, for the intro there. By the way, that's the voice of God, Joe Zerhusen. With the intros, the corny intros to the podcast. And he is indeed the voice of God. So we thank you, Josie, for taking part in this podcast. And we thank you for checking us out once again. Today, another colleague. We told you we're going to talk to players, former players. We're going to talk to executives, perhaps, at some point. Celebs, if we can get them. And broadcasters. And colleagues, and another colleague slash friend here today, the cowboy, Jeff Brantley, who I'm proud to call a friend and a colleague. I've had the pleasure of working with him on not only television, but radio as well. And he has developed quite the following alongside Hall of Famer Marty Brenneman. We'll talk about Marty, his relationship there, the final season with Marty and Bren- Marty Brenneman, and uh, Marty and Jeff. And this is the this is the gig, sort of like me. This is the gig he wanted all his life. So he's actually, and he'll talk about this. He's uh, living two dreams. So we'll get to know him and uh, tell some stories, have some laughs. This is one of the longer episodes because uh, it was an off day in Chicago, and we were, uh, I don't know, we were just chewing the fat, man. Just sitting back and uh, enjoying the conversation. At least I enjoyed the conversation. I hope you do as well. It is former Red, the single season saves leader all time in Red's history, and now Red's broadcaster, the Cowboy, Jeff Brantley, right here on the Jim Day Podcast. The Cowboy Jeff Brantley, welcome to the Jim Day Podcast. <laughs> Good to be here, man. <laughs> I knew at some point I would... Pardon the phrase, I'd rope you in. <laughs> you did. You did. this bad boy. Here, here we go. We've had some good guests. and uh, You've had you, some great guests. I know. It's, it's kind of crazy. It I is kind of crazy. Joe Morgan, Casey, had Marty on there a couple times. I mean, that's yeah, rolling. Well, here we are. We're on the road. We won't tell an undisclosed location on the road. But <laughs> you're going to have to put up with this um, makeshift setup we got going on here, this uh, hotel like room. Hotel room not exactly conducive to um, broadcasting. I should have asked for the broadcast room, but they probably don't have one of those. How are things going in your life? Are you, uh, as they say, living the dream? I guess you could say that. It, it's a little bit more difficult, I think, as you as you move along in broadcasting when you have smaller kids. Yeah. And doing this for a second time and having an, another daughter and a son that are that, you know, 12 and 15 – you just, you miss it. You know, you, yeah. you miss baseball. You miss baseball with your little kid. Um, you miss dancing practice or volleyball practice, whatever it may be. But 
I love what I'm doing. I mean, there, there's no way that you could have told me when I was my son's age that I would get to do what I'm doing today. Now, if you had told me I would play Major League Baseball, I would have thought yes, but not this. Uh, is it true? It's a lot of people will, <clears throat> let's, let's be real about this BS about, this is all I ever wanted to do, man. I wanted, I loved the Reds and... <laughs> Uh, I have to back that up all the time because I'm like, it's in my blood, man. I've, I've always wanted to be a broadcaster. The fact that I'm doing it with the Reds, in fact, people are probably getting sick of me saying it, uh, that I'm blessed. I know Marty gets sick of me saying it, and he blasts me all the time. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but is is it true this is this is what you wanted? This is what you wanted to do? Yeah, I just, I've always been a fan of the voices um, from the time that I used to listen to Marty and Joe in the radio, in the car with my dad in our driveway, and this is in Alabama. I mean, we, I grew up in Birmingham, Hoover, and back in those days, you had, you had to, the only way you could keep a radio signal was to be in the car and keep it moving because you didn't have enough antenna for right. that, that far away. So we would just sit in the car, and we would listen to Alabama football games. We would listen to the Reds every time that we had a chance and. In Alabama, you're listening to games that start at 6 o'clock our time, which would be 7 o'clock right. in Cincinnati. The only, the only problem, and, and people used to think I was nuts because of the station I was listening to, 600 or 700 in Alabama is a Spanish station all day long. It's like, <laughs> it's like from the Caribbean. So you would have no idea that, that WLW would come on there until you got in the car and turned it on right at 6 o'clock. Boom, there's Marty and Joe. That is fantastic. <laughs> um, you know what? I should have taken. I should have turned off this air conditioner. No, you did good. I like it cold. My room's smoking. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, yeah, it never fails when we come here. Bags not in the room, and it's hotter than a match. Ooh, you don't want to upset the cowboy <laughs> and his routine on the road. <laughs> oh man, I'm just worried about the sound. Whether the uh, the uh, fan is is. We'll just live with it, people. If you hear something in the background, it's the air conditioning because the cowboy <laughs> got to be cool. Cowboy needs cool. You know, out there on the range, sometimes just he and his horse, it gets a little hot, especially <laughs> down in Mississippi. Well, it's smoking hot down there now. <laughs> um, big news, of course, this season is Marty retiring. Um, what's it been? I mean, he's been on the tour and he's been getting, uh, you know, the last games that he's doing in cities and it's going to be a season long you know, at one point this season, I've joked with him. was like, can you just retire already? We're tired of talking about it. But uh, seriously, though, what, what's, it, what's it been like? Uh, it, it's interesting to see the, the respect that the other broadcasters have, and, and not just broadcasters, people that are uh, different, different walks of life in the different stadiums that we go to on the road, um, guys coming in that maybe are the, the guys that check your passes when you, when you come into the press box or guys that maybe men and women that, maybe serve the food or have been around for a while. I mean, 46 years is 46 years. That's a long time. And oh, man. a lot of these people, that's what, that's what their life has been. But what, what's so funny to me is watching the different bags that come into that room of gifts. And it just seems like every time guys will come in, other broadcasters, they'll come in and they'll have two bags. One bag is not for public showing. <laughs> <laughs> and it's got all kind of stuff in there. And you just let your mind work a little bit. You'll yeah. know what I'm talking about. I mean, all kind of stuff, especially something for old men. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then it goes to the serious side where right. you've got a card. And 
I can't imagine um, stepping away from the game in the sense that Marty is. The probably the most priceless things that you can get are words of appreciation and encouragement from people that you've been working with for so long. Yeah. Because we joke around and laugh and cut each other so hard, but yet when there's some finality to it, how great is that? I mean, just to have that, those words that you know are written on a card or a piece of paper or whatever it may be, because those last forever. Yeah. Well, next year, if I'm graced to still be employed in this position, <laughs> I might have better self-esteem because Marty won't be around. <laughs> tear you up. <laughs> uh, he, he, speaking about cutting it hard, man, sometimes – I'm the brunt of it, and uh, but you know you wear it like a badge. I, I you 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 do well. <laughs> I don't do well with it, but you do well with it. Well, you sit over there quiet. We Marty talks about it all the time. I just know? laugh. We're at the media table at dining area, and it's it's ruthless, man. I mean, it is. You better come with some thick skin, or don't come at all. It, it's very yeah. similar to what you have when when you're playing. Yeah, because once you step into the locker room, you better you better leave all your all your uh, feelings outside. Yeah. I mean, that's the best way to put it because when you come in, there is nothing sacred. I mean, I don't care if it's your mom, your dad, your family, your kid. I mean, it's all game on. And that's just the way – but but that's what – when you spend that much time with the same people, it's like family. So yeah. you you have to be able to get past all that. And there's not uh, – there's a lot of broadcast teams that don't hang out or don't get along as well as, as we do. So I think we're blessed in that regard. Um, you guys – Marty and Joe was everything uh, to me, to you. Um, they just had such good chemistry. It was like good cop, bad cop. Yeah. You know, Joe was the good guy. <laughs> Marty was the bad guy. Just don't make Joe mad. <laughs> don't make Joe mad. Yeah. He had a little bit of temper on him. Um, it might have taken a few years, but you guys have really good chemistry. And now Marty and Jeff has become a thing. Um, do you feel good about the relationship? Not only off the air, we just talked about, but on the air, your chemistry. Yeah, I think that when you when you work with somebody and you're 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 letting people into your life, and that's kind of what you do on the radio or TV, whatever it may be. I, I think that ultimately that that back and forth is a conversation that that people like to hear, mm-hmm. and and I think part of it is being comfortable with one another. And Marty helped with that more than anything else. I mean, the guy that's been in there the longest is the one that's got to kind of set that precedent. Yeah. And he made me feel comfortable right away, whether it was getting on my shoes or my boots or my blue jeans or whatever, you know, whatever it may be, my hair, it didn't matter. But what it did is it kind of loosened it up a little bit for you. And I, I think that once you can do that, then you start to find things that are just little, little, pins that you can stick into the doll and, and, and make it and make it work where where you can actually talk about it marty talked about this on this podcast and i want to get your reaction to it can't wait he, <laughs> yeah uh, brace yourself uh he said w- when you first got the gig uh he called you i think or he was oh. talking to you and, and he said hey you've been you've been listening Practice to games it. you've been practicing a little bit <laughs> And you're like, no. And he's like, oh, really? You're like, yeah, I got this. And he came. The, he did. It came the first inning that you had to he do. He let it. me have it too, boy. <laughs> I, because he he called and we were talking. And he said, "Well, have you been practicing?" And I said, "Practicing what?" That's exactly <laughs> what I said. I mean, you, I know baseball. I've done it my whole life. And he said, "Okay." That was it. Though it didn't ask me another thing about it. 
And we get we get to the second inning, and he said, and here's Jeff Brantley, and he gets up and walks off. And I'm thinking, oh, wow, what am I going to do now? I've got to bring it back. Well, okay, we're um, back at the game here, and um, – the batter's not in the box yet. There's nothing to analyze or describe. You And I'm telling you, silence on the radio for about 15 seconds is, I mean, people are probably banging their radio yeah. thinking, where did this guy go? Bring Marty back. Get him out of there. Oh, yeah. And it's <laughs> – I've sat in that seat when I was filling in last year, and it's like, wow. Marty walked out on me, I think it was in Cleveland, and – it was the seventh inning, and the inning was like 40 – the half inning was 40 minutes. The Indians scored like 12 runs. I don't yeah. know what it was. And I kept looking around like, please come back. <laughs> please come back. I'm all alone here. Well, and, it, it's, it's almost <laughs> like, like when you have your kid and they get their first bicycle. Yeah. There comes a point in time where you have to let go of the seat and let them ride it. They might crash, yeah. they might take off and love it, but they've got to figure out how to do it on their own. And I, and I think that's kind of what Marty was doing there, not only with me, but with you two. And I mean, that's just, that's just part of it. You got yeah. to figure it out, man. It's not easy though. <laughs> he said you were Trial sweating, fire. sweating bullets. <laughs> well, the, the, the problem was the, guy, the, the first batter hit the ball into the right center field gap. And the only thing I could think to do was describe the pitch and the swing how he hit the ball, how hard he hit it. I didn't even tell anybody where the ball You're was. You're analyzing it. Yeah. <laughs> I was analyzing that- it. <laughs> and, I, and the thing about it, though, is you've got on those headsets, and so you're just kind of in the microphone and the, the moment. Right. He's behind me, and I could hear him, and it got louder and louder. Where's the ball? Where's the ball? Tell him where the ball is. That's what he kept it saying. It was so funny, and I was like, oh, the ball's in right center field, and the guy's running around the base. And I couldn't even talk fast enough. I didn't know what to say. <laughs> oh, uh, he knew it was coming he too. was killing prior when he said you've been practicing you said no and he said all right all and he right. knew he, he could foreshadow months later that oh all right this is gonna be good but i gotta tell you your uh man your play-by-play has improved so much you guys compliment each other so well <laughs> we I mean, couldn't get any worse <laughs> I mean, Marty is—he's got a unique way, obviously, and he's—he says a lot of words, and uh, you know, he's very descriptive in his phrases. You are simplistic, which I love because it meshes well. I mean, you're like two-two pitch, down and away, slider, <laughs> and uh, you know, that's it. But that's that, it. T- yeah, um, and I love. By the way, where did this come from? Right down Broadway. Can you give us one, please? Right down Broadway. Oh, that's not how you say it. <laughs> right down Broadway. There we go. Well, no. I, I don't really know that that came from anything other than that's just what I always thought a pitch was, that was right down the middle of the plate yeah. that centered it right, in, right at belt high, right in the heart of the plate, something you should crush. That, that's just what I've always thought of that pitch being right down Broadway. What's a what are the other ones? Yellow hammer, the old Louisiana breakdown. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> That's that pitch that starts up there at Memphis and drops right on down to New Orleans. <laughs> uh, I, I love it. Um, <laughs> where, Cowboy, who gave you that name? Lenny Harris. Lenny Harris, and 
it's not like I'm a guy that's out riding horses and roping cattle and those we, kind of things. We kind of build that up a little. Yeah. At least I do. I, but, but I do like cowboy boots. I am from the South, and I do have a country accent, so it kind of meshes with that. But Lenny was the one that started all of this because it, we were sitting around having a couple of beers after a ball game. It was a big game that we won. I'd gotten a save that day. And we're all sitting back in the back. And finally, I said, look, fellas, I got to go. So I went and got the shower, got a shower and got my clothes on, put my jeans on with my boots. And I start walking off. And I can hear Lenny back in the back. There goes the cowboy riding off in the sunset. And I thought, oh, here we go. But that's how nicknames stick yeah. in a baseball locker room. It only takes one time. It clicks. People like it. Now, it could be good. It could be bad. It would have been a lot There's worse if he said, there goes the cowgirl. I'd have been in real trouble. <laughs> well, he might have been talking about the miles per hour yeah. in your fastball. Might oh, have. Yeah, boom. Yeah. Yeah, but the man could get it done, which uh, I love. You are pitcher's pitcher. Um, <laughs> you, uh, you, you crack me up. You know that. Uh, especially, you talked about being from the South. You're, you're bilingual. You, yeah. uh, you you speak I speak English and I speak country <laughs> no, I think he said on the air in fact I have the clip how many languages do you speak fluently <laughs> I speak English <laughs> yes I speak southern <laughs> <laughs> that's good <laughs> and I can order my food in Spanish I hear you I speak English and I speak southern <laughs> They're just things that that we say, words that we use that people look at you and kind of give you a double take, and you look at them like you don't know what that means, but yet everywhere you go, as soon as you say something, especially if you're above the Tennessee line, <laughs> people kind of look at you like, he ain't from around here, boy. <laughs> well, there are some things that... Um we've played up over the years um one of which is a famous story of now tom brenneman plays this up and i don't don't know if this is true about you falling asleep with wings (laughs) i've I've fallen asleep with a lot of food in my lifetime that's probably not the best way to put that um the way he put it was got the old wings on the boiler yeah, I the the worst one, and I and this is this is probably crazy to tell, but the worst one, um, I love mint Oreo cookie ice cream. I love it, and the the problem with mint Oreo cookie is it starts out green when you're eating it out of the carton, and believe me, I eat it out of the carton. But if you fall asleep, it's not green anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it takes the shade of the outside of the Oreo cookie. Now imagine falling asleep. The ice cream melts. It's all over your bed and you wake up. There's your word picture. <laughs> you didn't quite make it there. So you've done it with ice cream and wings. Yes. Uh-huh. I, I can't. I mean, I, I, there's probably not many foods that I have not fallen asleep. And had them. I mean, that, that's part of the reason that I say you, you, you have a shirt and then you have an eating shirt. That way you don't get it messed up. I have never taken that advice, but if, if anyone needs to take that advice, it's me. Because even though you've eaten with me enough, I wear half my food. 
In fact, the other day, I pulled off a miracle. They say there's a magic bullet, you know, out there that travels has a magic path. This is the magic ketchup because it ended up on my knee. Two drops of ketchup on my knee, but I was under the table. I, I still to this day don't know how. So I'm I'm doing the broadcast, and I had there were khaki pants, giant oh. stains of ketchup, and I'm down there standing in by the dugout. Well, it's a, it's one thing to spill food on your shirt, pants, or shoes if you're on the radio. Nobody knows. But if you're on TV, <laughs> yeah. everybody knows, especially Absolutely. the closer to the uh, collar it is. I know. So your affinity for ice cream, um, you spurred this into a sponsorship, which was brilliant, by the way. But you're always talking about eating eight scoops. Now, is this a myth or is this true? You kinda... no, I, I did it. There, the, the thing about it is I like different ice creams, and I like the combination. And, and I think there are a lot of people that they like one ice cream at one time. They might like the 31 flavors, but <laughs> they, they only eat one at a time. I like to put them all in a basically like a sugar cone cup to be honest with you, and a little bit of hot fudge and a whole lot of whipped cream, and I'm good to go. <laughs> but I like a lot of different flavors, and, and you finish it off with the mint. And the reason that you finish it off with the mint Oreo cookie is because that mint will start to melt down and get to the sides of the other ice cream, and it is oh, some kind of fire. Ice cream with the cowboy. <laughs> here we go. This podcast was supposed to be sports meets pop culture, so here we go. There it is. Look, I love ice cream. I love fried chicken, and I love ribs. And I and not necessarily in that order. It's just it's the southern thing. <laughs> there you go. Well, I'm with you. I, I, I like ice cream way, way too much. Um, how about the belt in Chicago? Oh, man. <laughs> you know, I, I've, I've bought a lot of things in this town because of my forgetfulness, but that, that one took the cake. Uh, this is, that was back when I was in the Giants, and I was a very young player at the time, and we had to wear suits and ties on the plane. And the pants that I had were not tight enough around the belt area to wear them without a belt. And I had forgotten my belt. So I walked across the street. There's a Brooks Brothers right outside of the hotel here in Chicago. Walked right out. I walk in. The first belt I see, I grab, tear the tag right off of it, and I put it on and threw the tag up on the counter with my credit card. Because, I mean, I've got to get on the bus. i got to hurry up. Yeah. Lady looks at me, charges my card, have a nice day, I'm out. I left the tag right there. I just stuffed the receipt into my pocket with my credit card, didn't think anything about it. And I get to the ballpark, and I'm taking all my stuff out and get ready to change into my uniform, and I look down, $475. <laughs> Evidently, they had alligator belts right there at the front rack, and that just so happened to be the one that I grabbed. That is one heck of a belt for $475. I should still have it. <laughs> you don't? <laughs> I don't know if I do or not. I'm not sure if it'll fit. $475. That ought to help you get dressed. I mean, it ought to like do some housework. $475. That was painful. <laughs> Didn't you do something else like that you had to buy when you were a broadcaster? Since I, I've known you, that you, had, you forgot something. and you yeah, I, had to buy, I had to buy a sport coat here. Um, yeah, to do TV, coat. sport coat, coat. <laughs> sport coat, tie, uh, dress shirts, 
and I, I wore my jeans and boots, but I had to have that because, you know, they're shooting you from the, the waist up, and I didn't have it. I didn't have it to do the game. Didn't know I was doing TV in Chicago. <laughs> I've had to buy – you know, I mean, this is a different town because you could, yeah. you could be somewhere where it's nice and warm, and then you come here and they say, well, it's 65 degrees, and you think, oh, we'll be all right. It's freezing. It's yeah. good. I mean, it just depends on which way the wind's blowing. It, it could be freezing, and you better buy a jacket. <laughs> it's unbelievable. You just gave it away about a couple of times. We are in Chicago, by the way, <laughs> right now. It's an off day, and I've wrangled Cowboy into doing this on his off day. How about that? Yes. That's a pretty good wrangling. I know. But we do have some good eats together. Yes. Um, I, as I mentioned earlier, I do like my food. You do. And I love to watch you eat. <laughs> you like to watch me stir. Yes, sir. I never I realized eat. that I was a slow eater until I became a broadcaster. And, folks, if, you, if you've ever eaten in a group, everybody else is done. They're ready to get up, oh, and man. I still have three-quarters of my plate left. And it's not like I'm talking and joking around. I just eat slow. Well, you stir it around. He he takes this, he, especially if there's like sauce, some type of sauce or whatever. He'll take get some on his fork and he'll stir it around, and he'll take a bite, and then he's got to get the rest of it perfectly on a plate. Like you, it has to be perfectly placed. And I take eating seriously, <laughs> and I want every bite to be a pitch on the outside corner with movement. I want it to be perfect. <laughs> You probably can't stand that I came along and pointed it out. That and you never realized. I, I never realized that I did that till I watched you start stirring around your food, and I thought that's what I look like because that's what my son does. And I watch him, and I'm thinking, stop stirring your food around and eat. And that's what I do. Yeah, I was just imitating you. So killing me. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, let's see here. I got the I, I wrote I wrote some things down here on my phone. All right. And explain this. I wrote the word Bari. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not a place that we're going to have drinks. <laughs> Bari is like Well, I forgot my belt. Can do you mind if I come over and borrow your belt? <laughs> I mean, that, that way I don't have to go over here and spend $475. Uh, you, you probably have a thousand words like that, right? Southern words. I, I guess that you do. I, I just, I mean, I, I talk like I talk. And to try to pronounce things that are technically perfect, they just don't come out right. <laughs> they just don't sound like they're supposed to. I would like to play a little... Um, a mini game here and we're going to call this what would cowboy do <laughs> all right lay it I, on me i need like a musical <laughs> intro for that dun, dun, dun. let me do that again what would cowboy do <laughs> <laughs> there's one last piece of pizza left and there's people around what would Cowboy do? Well, I'm not going to take the last pizza pizza. But what I would do is I'd cut that sucker in half and make sure I got at least some of it. <laughs> you told me something about jamming your thumb in a pizza or something like that. 
Yeah, well, if you touch it, then nobody else wants it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I did that when I was growing up because at our table, my brother and my dad and my mom, we all like fried chicken. Well, if there were only a few pieces left, you start to dwindle down. Brother wants that. Dad wants that. Well, I knew my brother wouldn't eat it if I put my finger in it. (laughs) Now, my dad might, so I'd put my finger in it. So what my dad did to teach me a lesson, and I can't believe my mom went along with this, she fried up a different part of the chicken than she would normally fry and that you would ever normally eat. (laughs) She put it on the plate and it was a bigger piece and it was heavily battered, which if you're a fried chicken lover, you love batter. I mean, let's go. Oh yeah. So I pick it up and I'm, and if you have ever seen me eat fried chicken or eat period, anything that's got a bone in it, I'm eating everything off of it that is chewable except the bone. The gristle, I mean, you you can book it. So I start into this piece of chicken, and it's kind of moving a little bit, you know, kind of bending. And everybody's, I didn't really even notice it at the time because I was starving. My dad's looking at me, my mom's looking at me, and my brother's looking at me. And I look at my mom, and she's just got kind of that smirky smile on her face. <laughs> he had put the chicken neck <laughs> on the plate with all that batter, and that's what I was eating. slow down boy slow down the life lessons we learn (laughs) all right what would cowboy do if you're in a hotel you're on the road it's morning and all of a sudden it's morning it's morning well it's sort of you know it's getting light out but there's one piece of sunshine that's creeping through the curtains and it's hitting you kind of in the face yeah, this is probably not the greatest story to tell because of all the hotels that we stay in, but I'll share it with you for those that travel. Every time that you get your dry cleaning back, it's always, most of the time, it's got a pin in the bottom of it that pins the tag down at the bottom of the shirt tail. Save those pins. I've also got a box that my wife bought me of small thumbtacks. Now you know where I'm going with this. He travels this when stuff. I when I am in the room, and you got crummy curtains, I'm gonna take those tacks and those pins, and by the time I'm done with it, it is pitch black in that room. There will be no sunlight. I couldn't tell you if it's 6 a.m. or 6 p.m. It's called caving it up, and. You know what? I, I make fun of you for traveling that stuff, but I probably should <laughs> because I've gone to, I, I, I love to cave it up too. I love it as dark as I can. It's cold. I'll sleep in an igloo if I can. I want it cold as long as I have a, you know, big comforter or whatever. But I will lean, I will take lamps and I will, I've leaned them up against the <laughs> I just curtains. did that. I just did that in Milwaukee. And here's how bad this was. Those root, those ones in Milwaukee They're are terrible. the worst. I, I couldn't get. You know, it's the middle of the night, and I I can see the street light coming in because I was down on the second floor, and I was so mad. So I get the I get the one side fixed, and as soon as I'd get the one side fixed, then the other side would creak open. <laughs> exactly. So what I did is I took that lamp 
and I unplugged it out of the wall and I leaned it up against, now, middle of the night now, I leaned it up against the curtain. Well, as I leaned it up, I stepped backwards. And when I did, I stepped on the bottom of the lamp. And the lamp came back and hit me right in the face. And I'm thinking to myself, can this get any worse than what it is? I'm trying to go to sleep here. Well, I had, I'm not kidding you. I had like three lamps, everything I could get. I even leaned one of these big chairs clear up on two on two legs up against the curtains because I had two windows in, in my room. And then they, I think someone came to get my bag. Maybe I did room service. I don't know. But they came in and they saw all this stuff leaning up. <laughs> I forgot to take it back down. And they saw all this stuff leaning. Where and is this guy at, from? They looked at me like, what is your deal? What are you doing? What are you doing? Like, I, you know. I'm, <laughs> well, the, the problem that you have in baseball, and, and no, it doesn't matter how hard you try to explain this or how much detail that you go into, you're a vampire. We play night games. We get in, and it's 11, 30, 12 o'clock after a game that you're already jacked for. And, yes, as broadcasters, we still get jacked for the games. That's part of it. I mean, you're, your adrenaline's flowing, and you're excited. It's not like you just come back to your room and lay down and go to sleep immediately. No, yeah. there's no chance. Well, think of someone getting off at 5 o'clock, and hey, they're like, why are you staying up so late? And, and I'm when, like, what time you get off? I get out at 5 o'clock. Would you go home and go to bed at 6? Yeah. Well, the, and, and Seven? with that being said – when everybody else is up getting in their car going to work or school at 6.30 or 7 in the morning, I'm just getting into REM sleep. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not about getting up at that time. Matter of fact, there are a lot of my buddies will call me when I'm on the road, and they're like, dude, you're still in the bed? What, what is up with that? I'm getting my eight hours. My eight hours might be from 3.30 to 11.30, but I'm getting my eight hours. Exactly. But – one thing that may be the end of the cowboy, ladies and gentlemen, day games. Day games. <laughs> Vampires do not like sun. It burns my skin. <laughs> I want to have night games only. <laughs> now, we're in a stretch right here of like five straight day games. Are you going to be able to survive this? I will survive. And I, I know that because I've done this in the past and I can figure out a way to, to make it happen. I just have to go to bed earlier, which is <laughs> almost an impossibility, <laughs> but you, you figure out a way to get it done. It's, it's just like playing. You do what it takes. Well, we were doing a, uh, we were talking when the Reds were going to move games to 640 during the week, which they've done. We're like doing a little talking amongst ourselves, like oh, time, what's the best time to have a game? And everyone's like, oh man, six forty is great. Even six ten would be great. And Cowboys like ten o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> Later the better. Nine p.m. Yeah. would work for me. That work for me. Later the better. Those seven thirty-five, seven forty starts in Atlanta. I'm all about it. It's just part of it. Yeah. Everybody has their own little quirks, and nah, I'm, I'm right there with that one. You don't have to understand it, and that's all right. Well, you do have a little quirks, the quirks. And one thing, I don't know if I've ever seen you without a Coca-Cola. I do love Coke. It's unbelievable. I do love Coke. And, and I don't know how that really started. I, I used to drink Diet Coke when I was playing, and it just got to a point where I figured – 
All right, well, I'm done playing. I, I really don't need to be on a diet. I'm, I, I'm good enough where I'm at. I'm happy with myself, so I'm going to drink the one that tastes the best. <laughs> and that's the real thing. So I'm drinking Coca-Cola. And I, I guess because of the way that my throat feels when I don't drink something, whether it be, would be water or iced tea. You know, in the South, you grow up, you're drinking iced tea all the time. Right. And when you leave home, tea doesn't taste the same, bro. I mean, we put six, seven cups of sugar in that bad boy <laughs> per gallon. Uh, come on with it, as you like to say. Yeah, come on with it. Speaking of come on with it, I was telling you a story last night, and, I, and I'll share this today. When, when you're playing the game, do you understand what you do best more than anybody else does? Mm -hmm. It's just part of what makes you successful. You know what you do best, but you also the, – the good players know what they do best, but they also know where their weaknesses are, and that's how you last in the big leagues. Well, I'd, I had gotten traded from the Reds – one of the saddest days of my life. Because the only thing I ever wanted to do when I was growing up was play for the Reds. And I had to go out to San Francisco for six, seven years and had no idea where San Francisco was. I mean, you know, you grow up in Alabama and Mississippi. I mean, that's like playing in Egypt. So played out there, got a chance to come back what I thought was home. I had two choices, either Atlanta or Cincinnati. And I, the last thing I wanted to do was disappoint my grandmother because she's a huge Braves fan. But I thought to myself, if I'm, if I'm going to pitch in Atlanta, then I'm going to have 50, 60 family members there every day, and I might get a little taxi. So I made the choice to pitch in Cincinnati because I knew I would get a chance to close. Get traded to the Cardinals um, after, just after I'd signed a three-year deal. I'm pitching for Tony La Russa. We all know Tony. If you're a baseball fan, you know Tony La Russa, one of the um, one of the smartest managers out there. He's always he was always a, a forward thinker when it came to statistics and analytics, even before those words were ever part of baseball. Mm -hmm. But to make a long story short, I'm pitching there in '98 with Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire going after the home run record. McGuire's winning. Sosa is on a tear. He's coming in a hurry. I come into the ball game. We're leading by one run. It's a 2-1 game. I come into the ball game. I get the first two outs. Mark Gray steps to the plate. He's the three-hole hitter. Sammy's on deck. Then Derek Bell. Two outs, no big deal. Grace fouls off. I don't know how many pitches he fouled off, but he's fouling off enough to where I was tired of him fouling off pitches. Finally end up walking him on a backdoor breaking ball. Here comes Tony out of the dugout. I'm thinking, what are you going to do, take me out of the game? There's nobody warming up. He says, look, we're going to set the catcher. And my catcher at the time was a rookie, Eli Marrero. He was as young as it got. He was just happy to be in the big leagues. Comes out to the mound. He's, he's looking at Eli. He's not looking at me. He's looking at Eli. He said, we're going to set up about six inches off the outside corner to Sosa, and we're going to throw four balls out there. And he said, then we're going to get Derek Bell. I'm thinking, what? It's two to one. You want me to walk this guy on purpose to put the tying run at second and put the winning run on base with two outs here in the top of the ninth inning. And I looked, and all that's spinning through my head. 
And I looked at Tony and I said, I'm not doing that. Oh, you told LaRusso. I said, I'm not doing that. (laughs) He was not happy. And he looked at Eli. He said, just set up off the play. I said, Eli, don't do that. I said, we're not doing that. He goes, oh, no, cowboy, we're going to get released. We're going to get released. (laughs) I said, no, we're not. The, The thing about it, and when you talk about forward thinking and the analysis of the game and all of these things, and it goes back to what I was saying earlier about knowing yourself and knowing who you're good against and who you're not. Sammy Sosa could not hit me with a boat paddle, and I knew that. The guy on deck, Derek Bell, was hitting a mere 135, but he killed me. He couldn't hit anybody else, but he killed me. So I, Tony, Tony starts away from the mound. He looks at both of us. He goes, do the right thing. I'm like, well, the right thing is to strike this sucker out right now. So Marrero starts away, and I said, come here. He goes, oh, cowboy, no, no. I said, look. I said, I want you to put your chin on the outside corner. And I said, we're about to strike him out. First pitch, fastball down and away. I don't know why this happens, but when Sosa faced me, he took the first pitch every time. Strike one right on the outside corner. Next pitch, started to move it up. You have to remember, Sammy, for me, had a hole up and away that you could drive a semi-truck through. He just couldn't hit it. Fastball up, middle away, and he fouls it straight back. And I can hear the trash can going down the first base dugout. And <laughs> it's La Russa. It's La Russa. He's, he's losing his mind. I told him to walk him. Even though it's 0-2? It's 0-2 now. Yeah. The next pit, and, I, and once I got to 0-2, I knew I had him. It, it was over. Fastball up and away. He swings right through. I mean, we're talking three pitches. Strike one, strike two, strike three. Now, there were not many times in St. Louis where I got cheered because it was a rough year for me. But on that day, it was standing ovation because I <laughs> shut down Sammy Sosa. Well, what did LaRusa do when you got back to the dugout? Hey, well, the game was over. He comes running out onto the field, hugs my neck, and way to go. Great job, great job. <laughs> I'm thinking – Dude, you wanted me to walk him. Well, you wanted me to walk him. It, it ain't going to be like that now. I said, I got to pitch how I pitch. Wow. I'm not sure that would happen nowadays. These guys are uh, – they have a hard time calling their own games now. What – I want to get your thoughts, and I know you've got a – there's a fine line you got to walk being a team broadcaster, but just overall the, the way that the pitching's going. And you try not to be old school and like, well, back in the day, you know, and be the old fuddy-duddy, and you want to evolve with the game. But how how tough is it to watch where pitching is going? Or do you like where it's going? I like the information that we have. Mm-hmm. And I think I think to myself, and, and I've talked with other pitchers that, are, that were around when I was around, and thinking from a, a thinking man's pitcher, because I was a thinking man's pitcher. That, that's the only way I got by. I was not blessed with maximum velocity or great breaking ball or any kind of super trick pitch. I just knew that if I was prepared and could locate, I could get people out consistently. Well, I love that you didn't throw with high velocity, but you would throw it up in on the hands, Well, I, which I don't see enough nowadays. It was, it was part of that intimidation effect. And the way that I looked at it is – I wouldn't. I wasn't hitting guys on purpose because I think if you hit a guy, then he realizes, well, well that didn't hurt. 
So he digs in even more. Yeah. But if you throw the ball at the hands and you make the hands retreat or you make them move away or they hear that ball spin, and they do hear it spin up around their hands and up around the chin area, that it creates a little bit of, God, is he wild or did he do that on purpose? Yeah. Well, if, if, they think, if they're thinking that you're wild, it, it gives them a little bit of trepidation as far as attacking the ball. And it can also work the other way. If they think I did it on purpose, it pisses them off. They get mad. Well, a mad hitter is not a good hitter. A relaxed hitter is a good hitter. Yeah. The, the thing that I love more about what's going on, especially with our staff right now, is they attack the strike zone. They attack it. It's not about nibbling on the edge or nibbling over here or throwing that, let's, let's make sure we throw a changeup in this spot or a 3-2 breaking ball. They pound the strike zone, and they're finding success. If you were being scouted right now, I'm not so serious. I would not you, be drafted. Yeah. Dude, I was 5'9 and a half, and I threw 90. Well, that has to bother you, doesn't it? Because I look like I look at Kyle Hendricks, who's out there throwing that, and dealing. Well, I, I think what happens now is you are, you are drafting power arms and trying to develop them in your system. And, and I agree with that. Uh, it would be the same thing that I would do. If I see a kid that's throwing 96, 97 miles an hour and another kid that's throwing 87, 88, well, you get fired if, if the 87-88 guy doesn't make it. If the guy that's throwing 96-97 doesn't make it, everybody says, oh, well, you know, he, he had a good arm. We just didn't develop him well. Well, my, my thought process in all of this is I don't care how hard you throw, you should still learn how to add and subtract to your fastball. Yeah. And when you can do that, you can be successful at any speed. I agree. Let's, uh, let's go back in time here. The 1995 Reds. Great memories for you. Great memories. Uh, my, my entire time in Cincinnati were great memories. Uh, played with some great players. Um, had some fun times. Uh, I, I think that that, that group of guys, and, and there were a lot of holdovers from the 90 World Series team, mm -hmm. but that group of guys, they had fun playing together. And they loved – I mean, we loved each other. I mean, that's, that's the – there was never a point in time to where you felt like a guy was being selfish, where he wouldn't move the runner over or, or wouldn't get in the right spot or wouldn't dive for a ball because he didn't want to hurt his hand. Or I mean, everybody played max effort. Now, I'll say this. That's how Barry Larkin played. And when your best player plays all out, everybody else plays all out, whether you're a pitcher or a position player or whatever. Well, he was incredible in that. You could lead him off. You hit him second. He would, in a moment's notice, hit it to the right side to sacrifice himself to get a runner over. I'll, I'll never forget. He'd get third. He'd get hit home runs if you needed to. Never forget a, a game in Colorado. And that's a pitcher's death park. <laughs> Always has been. But I'd have, I'd have having a tough time in the ball game. I had the bases loaded, and I had one out. And I had Eric Young coming to the plate who could fly. And he didn't strike out much. He was always making contact. And I'm thinking, how in the world am I going to get a ground ball here to try to get a double play with this guy at the plate? Fouls off, I don't know how many pitches. But I'm, I turned around and I'm checking my infielders just like a good pitcher would to make sure I know where they're at. In case the ball's hit back to me, I know where I'm going to throw it. Well, 
the ball came off the bat. And when I had looked on the previous pitch, Larkin was playing over towards the shortstop hole. The ball came off the bat, and it was smoked. It was by me before I could even move. And my heart just dropped because there's a runner at side. We were going to lose the game. And I turn around, and Larkin is standing on top of second base, grabs the ball, throws it to first, and I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm one out. <laughs> Did he run that far that fast? He told me after the game, he said, I knew you were going to throw a breaking ball down and away. And he goes, I could count on your location. He said, so I moved back up the middle because I knew he couldn't pull it. And the only place that he could hit it hard was right back up the middle. He hit it right to me. That's a thinking man. All the time. He was always reacting. A lot of times nowadays you'll see these shortstops that do that, but they'll go too early. And they'll tip off the hitter of, of maybe what's coming. Um, so, yeah, he was incredible. I'm just looking at some, uh, some names here on that team. I mean, he got Barry Larkin. Uh, Hal Morris was still on that team. Uh, I've never seen a hitter before that or after that that danced moved in the box so much in the batter's <laughs> box and could absolutely rake. He he always made contact. And and I think when hitting coaches tried to stop him from moving around, it messed with his timing. Yeah. He would always reset his feet. It was almost like he was crow hopping towards the baseball when he get ready to hit, but he could stroke it. Oh man, he was a great great hitter. Brett Boone. Oh Booney. I'll never forget Davey Johnson. Davey Johnson got so mad at him because Booney snapped. He snapped worse than I did. And, I mean, we're both the same size, probably with that Napoleon complex. But he would get so <laughs> mad when things didn't go his way. And at one point in time, I think Davey had just about had enough. And he said, all right, filled out the line. Didn't even say anything to Booney. Just filled out the lineup. And Booney was our everyday second baseman. Well, he didn't play. Well, Booney was mad. But he didn't say anything. Next day we come to the ballpark, Booney's not playing. And he's kind of like looking around like, what the heck is going on? They're not going to play me. They're going to have to trade me. He did it for three more days, five straight days. Booney didn't play second base. And we're all thinking, oh, this is going to get ugly. <laughs> but, but what ultimately ended up happening is it, it created a bit of team, team aspect for Brett when he came back, when he started playing him again, and man, you talk about going crazy with the bat. It was like everything he hit was a P because he wanted to prove to Davey Johnson that he was the everyday second baseman. And whether Davey meant for it to be that way or not, it worked like a champ. Wow. I remember uh, he came back for an event, an event. I don't even remember what event it was. It was after the game. And he had never been in Great American Ballpark. Uh, I I've, I've seen him once there over the years and he stepped out of the dugout and he looked at the outfield fences and his mouth was up and I go, what, what's going on? He's like, Oh man, I'd love to hit here. <laughs> he was amazed at the short porches. Right. He's like, Oh my goodness. And I he, hit 50 home runs. He here. could get the ball in the air and he could hit it the other way. He was yeah. not a, he was not a dead pull hitter, even though he could hit the ball out from line to line especially as he got older. And he, he had what we see in the Javier Baez swing when Javier Baez first got to the big leagues. Mm -hmm. That's how Booney would swing. I mean, it was everything he had, and when he hit it, it was on. 
And he played golf that way, too. He'd come off the ground when he'd swing the golf club with both feet. <laughs> Proverbial swinging out of your shoes. I'm just going down the list here. Ron Gant. Was, uh, did he play that much in 95? Let's see. Yeah. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, he did. Uh, Ronnie Gant got in the worst – got us in the worst fight with Houston that I'd ever been in in my major league career before or after that point in time. And there had been – All do tell. There were there had been some pitches that were thrown back and forth, and Ronnie got up to the – got up to the plate, and the the uh, Astros catcher, and I can't remember who it, who it was. Um, it's Pat, Pat something, I can't remember. Um, but anyway, the catcher was a big guy. He was taller than Ronnie. And – Stocky guy. And you can see him arguing, and finally Ronnie puts steps back out of the box and he puts the bat kind of down on the bat head down on the ground and he's looking at him. And the next thing you know, they're face to face. The major mistake that the Astros catcher made was taking off the mask. As soon as he took the mask off, pow, right in the kisser. It was on. <laughs> I mean, it as soon as you thought one fight had stopped, two more broke out. And then those two would stop, and then three more would break out. It was everybody was fighting, even Eddie Tobinsey. Eddie Tobinsey had Mike Sims pinned on the ground like he would do your two-year-old son, had both of his hands pinned down to the turf, and he was sitting on top of him just going, ah! He wasn't hitting him, but he was holding him down on the ground. I thought, dude, that's like strong, because Mike Sims was a big old boy. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. I have to, there's got to be video of that. I have to look that up. Somewhere. It was wicked. Where were you in it? Were you? Were I you? was, I, well, I tried to get Eddie off. The <laughs> only reason I knew he was doing that was because I could hear him screaming. And, and Eddie was such a mild-mannered guy. Yeah. He was almost like he just snapped. <laughs> and I was trying to get him off of Mike Sims. And as I was pulling him back, and, and that's the key, don't pull your own players off. Because when you do that, that's when you get in trouble. And oh, I, yeah. And that's how I got in trouble that day because I was trying to get Eddie to, to stop and to calm down. And as I did, my right shoulder was pulled back by, guess who? Derek Bell. And here comes the fist. And I thought he, I thought he was going to kill me because I, I could see his fist right in front of my face. And just, at, just before contact with my nose and my mouth and everything else, Lenny Harris took him out. Really? Took him out. That's Did not fantastic. never made contact. I was like, you Lenny, saw the fist coming I and mean, then it was boom. right in. I mean, I was just bracing for impact at that wow. point. Took so, him out. So he saves the cowboy. The guy that named him Cowboy saves Save Cowboy. The day. Very nice. Oh, Thomas, he was a catch. Benito Santiago, was he? Yeah, interesting idea. story with Benito Santiago. We we shared a couple of um, impact moments, literally. One when he was with the Padres in 1990. This was about a week before the All-Star game. It was the only All-Star team I ever made. And Santiago was famous for diving out over the plate mm -hmm. to hit the ball on the outside corner. I threw two fastballs down and away. He fouled them both straight back. Well, I thought, all right, if he's going to dive out there, then I'm going to come back in on the inside corner, and it'll he'll jam himself. I don't even have to do any work. Well, I came in, and he dove. And as he started 
to swing, he pulled his left arm up to block the ball, and the ball hit him right above the wrist. Snapped that bone. Ooh. He was not happy. And when we got – he made the all-star team. He was the best catcher in the league. He made the all-star team that year, and <laughs> fate would have it. Our lockers are right by each other. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Did he bring it up? He got a Did big it? cast on it. Oh. And, of course, Kevin Mitchell being the comic that he is, he said, hey, Brantley, I think Santiago wants you to sign his cast. And I'm like, oh, man. I could have I crawled under a table at that point. Oh, man, could Kevin Mitchell hit. He could hit. Wow. He, he would catch yeah. the ball barehanded, too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no question about it. You guys had a good pitching staff uh, that year. What do you had? Smiley and Shurik. Shurik had a – He had was unbelievable that year. One unbelievable year. Uh, it just seemed like everything that, everything that went wrong for him with the Mets went right for him that year with the Reds. And, yeah. I mean – uh, I think that was the the year that we got Mark Portugal towards the end of the season. We yeah. got Dave Berba. Uh, I think we traded Dion from our club to San Francisco and got Darren Lewis, who was yeah. playing center field. I mean, we really had a good ball club. Yeah. You mentioned Mark Portugal. I don't know why this pops in my mind, but and this has nothing to do with anything other than I thought it was funny. Eric Davis, there's a guy in the local media that used to not really ask questions. He would just kind of like – just go defense and hold out the mic to someone. <laughs> and, you know, expect the player to start talking about defense. Or he'd say, Jeff Brantley. And he'd hold the mic in front of him, and this person would speak, you know, start talking about Jeff Brantley. Well, this guy did it to Eric Davis, and he said, Portugal. And Eric Davis said, Israel. <laughs> <laughs> That, uh, that was one guy that I really started to begin to understand the depth of the effectiveness of a changeup because he could throw a changeup, and oh, yeah. he could throw it over and over and over again. Consecutive pitches four, five, six times in a row, and guys couldn't hit it. Right. And you just – you know, at that point in time, it was all about fastball, slider, and the split finger. I mean, Roger Craig, when I was in San Francisco, was all about the split finger because of the way that the wind blew at Candlestick. But that guy had a change-up that it didn't stop. How much does the 1995 NLCS sting to this day? Well, it, it stings because the Braves went on and won the World Series. Yeah. And granted, they had, they had three Hall of Famers in their rotation. I mean, that's the one year that they won it. All those years they went to the playoffs, and the one yeah. year they won it was not like they put it all together, unfortunately, when the Reds were in the NLCS. Yeah, we, we had an awfully good team. We beat the dog out of the, the Dodgers to get there. Um, but we got to that point in time, and we just we couldn't score. We couldn't score against those guys, and, and it, made it, it made it difficult. And, I mean, there, there's nothing you can do about it. You look back and say, oh, well, we had a great team. We could have won. But, I mean, you're running up against three Hall of Famers. And, yeah. and let me tell you, they were on oh, their yeah. game. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt about it. What was it, 96 single season saves record? Was that 96? 1996. I, I don't remember a whole lot of those saves, but I do remember. Why not? Well, I, I, I don't know. But I remember the last one. And 
I remember it because I was so close to not getting it. Yeah. And I mean the record. Yeah. And I knew, I knew that I, and it was not about the Reds record at that point in time. I wanted the most saves in baseball because when you're coming up and you're, you're a guy like me, that's five, nine and a half and everybody just kind of pushes you off to the side where you can't close. You can't do that. We're just going to pitch you here. And, I'd gotten a lot of saves when I made the all-star team, but then I didn't finish the the last part of the year because I had thrown so many innings. I just never got that opportunity again. And it was just one of those things that you just want it so bad you can taste it. And so close. And I, and I knew that, that Todd Worrell had, had gotten a save that day because we were, we were playing the, the last – all the games were right there together – uh, I knew I was going to have more Rolades points. That was the, the kicker. Rolades relief man of the year. That was the kicker at the time. I knew I had more points than than Trevor Hoffman was going to have. But I needed a save that day to win the saves title, to have the most saves in baseball. We had bases loaded, and we're scoring, and we're just ripping the Cardinals. I mean, that just bam, 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 bam. All of a sudden, we get a three-run lead, and we've got bases loaded, and Hal Morris is at the plate, and there's two outs. And I'm thinking, there's not going to be a save. It was seventh inning. I said, there's not going to be a save today. And Jeff Shaw looked at me, and he goes, oh, there'll be a save today. There will be a save today. And I'm thinking, well, I, it never hit me. You know, you, all of these things, you look back now, and you think, all right, now I understood what he was saying. Hal Morris hits an absolute rocket to right field one of those just low screamers and somehow their right fielder came in and dove and caught it on his shoelaces for an out and as soon as that happened you know three run lead if it's a four run lead it's not a save right three run lead you're going to get a save if you pitch the full time as soon as that happened I picked up the phone and Ray was on the other end of the phone Ray Knight our manager he goes you're in the game I mean, I picked. I was calling him. You were calling. I was calling I him to, to tell him I'm going in the game right now. And and that was kind of the understanding with both with Davey and with Ray. It it was just that. And you remember back at at Riverfront, you had the bullpens were on the field, so you sat in the dugout, which I love. I, I loved it. I loved it. it. Tough on the outfielders, but it you, is. You love it because you get you are allowed to be in the dugout and be right. part of the team during yeah. the game. But I remember Davey and Ray did the same thing. They said, look, if we get to the eighth or the ninth inning and it's save time, you go warm up. You go get ready. I don't even want to have to look down there and tell you. You know what your job is. Go get ready to do it. And on that day, I pitched the last six outs of the ball game, got the save, and got the record. And it, that's just just something for, for a simple guy from Alabama. And it, it happened. And – it's awesome. Well, it still stands to today, man. It's uh, it's special. I mean, any any Reds record of all time is is special. So I I I think so, especially the history of this ball club. Well, when we go on the caravan, and I got to do all the intros. That's what I say. <laughs> He's the all time single season saves leader. He's known as the Cowboy Jeff Brantley. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know about the ah. Oh, yeah. No, they love themselves some cowboy. I love me some cowboy. Um, I, let me give you a scenario here. This doesn't have anything to do with baseball. I'm going to put you on the spot. You, you grew up in Alabama. 
The old Crimson Tide. Love the Crimson Tide football. Okay. Alabama is playing your alma mater, Mississippi State, in football. <laughs> Who you got? Uh, I got Mississippi <laughs> State. You know, it, 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 that's one of those places where you're, you're totally torn because my dad had a picture, had a painting of Bear Bryant above his chair from the time that I can ever remember knowing what a chair was till the time that I went to Mississippi State. Yeah. And that that's where I wanted to play was Alabama. Really? I, I wanted I, – well, I thought – and that shows you how dumb you are when you're a kid. But I thought, well, I can play quarterback at Alabama because I played quarterback in high school. Yeah. Not in 5'9", bro. <laughs> <laughs> well, Ain't happening. Bear was running the yeah. option, though, and stuff. He and gets, and he that's, gets that's, what, that's what we ran in high school. But yeah. uh, there, there was no chance ever for that. But I wanted to play – Baseball at Alabama. If I couldn't play football, then I wanted to play baseball. And I remember their coach, who was Barry Schallenberger at the time, mm -hmm. came to watch me play and shook his hand, talked to him for a couple of seconds, and then I went out onto the field and he was talking to my dad. And I went even started the game yet. I look up, dude's leaving. Didn't even watch the game. So I asked my dad later, I said, What happened? Oh, my dad was so mad. He was so mad. He goes, I can't believe this. He goes, you know what he told me? And, I, and it probably was the greatest bit of motivation that ever happened to me. He said, Coach Schallenberger said, you're not big enough not only to play shortstop, you're not big enough to ever play in the SEC. Oh, I didn't know this story. Stick the stiletto right in your back. You're not big enough to pitch in the SEC. Oh. And every game that I pitched for Mississippi State against Alabama, oh, was that something to drive home? Because all I wanted to do was crucify them. That's fantastic. Well, you're that Mississippi State team, heck, there's a 30-30 episode that's still running all the time. Um, Will Clark uh, and – uh, Palmero and you. I mean, that's Bobby Thigpen. Bobby Thigpen, famous team. We had a, we had a great team. And the, what what's crazy about that, and what's so unique about baseball, is we probably had the best team in college baseball that year, and we did not win. Yeah, we had four guys on that club that p played in the major leagues for a long time in consecutive years. All four of us made the major league all star team. And yet we lost to a team from Miami who ended up winning the World Series that didn't have one player that ever played in the big leagues. And I'm not sure they had a whole wow. lot of players that were drafted. Does that one sting, not winning the College World Series? I mean, yeah, I, it does. And it, it doesn't sting for me personally. It stings for the people that wanted it so bad. Yeah. Because, I mean, back in those days, we were getting 10, 11,000 at the ball games in Startville. I mean, right. and this is a stadium that only held 3,500, so you can imagine the overflow. It, it was just one of those things that you wanted it so bad for the people because they were so supportive of you. Well, you've stayed in Mississippi. I'm gone, Jackson. <laughs> I'm going to Jackson. Now it's smoking down there in Jackson. <laughs> it is smoking. I, I got to work on my cowboy, by the <laughs> way. I do all these impressions. I, I really got to work on my cowboy. But – Smoking down in Jackson. Southern is like having 
a marble on each side of your mouth. I have to remember that. Yeah. <laughs> That's good advice. Well, if you want to roll, if you want to roll those words, <laughs> just get you a couple marbles. You'll be good to go. <laughs> good to go. Shut her down. Shatter. Shatter. Uh, you good to answer some questions like uh, away from baseball? Sure. Periodically, I'll ask these pop culture type questions to try to. People... What if I know the answer? <laughs> no, it's not like a quiz. It's all about you. It's not trivia. Because <laughs> I suck at trivia. <laughs> I should. Uh, you know, I shouldn't say. I mean, like you and pop. Uh, I, yeah, you got me on that. No, I'm not going to ask you. Like, what was the number one song in 1982? I'm good with him. <laughs> yeah, multiple choice. No, these are all about you. All that, right. Deal with, like, things in pop culture. How about that? All right. Um, favorite movie of all time. I'm going to put you on the spot here. There might be a lot of ahs and pauses. And Do you have a favorite movie of all time? You're watching movies all the time. On the plane, by the way, this guy's dialed in. you got, like, every movie. Like, I'll bring up him. Yep, seen it, done it. But you're you're like uh, it's you're a shoot 'em up guy, action guy, though, right? I, I love brain dead movies I, I do i i love the the shooting and the the no plot kind of movies Are you serious? i do I, because <laughs> when when i'm on the plane i just want to relax yeah and it it's not about getting focused on a plot of a movie or something that's really in depth i just i'm just there to, to spend the time but i i will say this that the movie that probably struck me as much as anything is Sandlot. Really? It's a baseball movie. Yeah. And it's also got a dog. <laughs> I can't go wrong at that. And How about the poster the Sandlot put for Marty's golf tournament that they put our heads on those? That was good. <laughs> that, was class. that was good. Of course, they made me the... Uh, anyways. <laughs> <laughs> Are, do you binge watch TV shows? At all? It depends on the show. At, what's a good one that, like, if I bring up a TV show that uh, maybe you've watched that you really love? Law and Order, Chicago PD, FBI, SV, Law and Order, SVU, CSI, New Orleans. Wow, you're like my wife. She likes all those over-the-network shows. I, I could. You just went Chicago PD on me. That's like on NBC. I could watch. I have to watch all the Chicago ones because she's dialing. I could watch them all day, really, not move. Because yeah. a lot of people, when they bring up binge watching TV, they'll bring up something on Netflix or Amazon Prime. But you're over the air, and, and it, DVR it's and hard those to, bad it's boys. Hard, yeah, I DVR them. I I save them, and that way, when I get home, oh. I I don't miss anything. Well, Law and Order was was big league show for a long. Chicago long time. PD is solid. FBI is solid. I'm telling you, it's really I, good. I've seen it because I have to. I'm forced. <laughs> OA, OA I, I is a champ. Listen, I don't, I don't run my house. I, you know, even though I got multiple TVs, I sit there and endure some things <laughs> I don't want to endure. There's one show that I don't like though that she watches. Um, SWAT. Oh come That's, on, that is oh, outstanding. No, no man, I let I let, If it was really about SWAT, I mean they're out investigating things. It's like SWAT is called in when there's a situation. And they're the they're the that hard, is high drama yeah, and action. No, they're the guys that are you're coming in to get someone that's barricaded in a house. They're not going out and investigating the thing too, dude. That SWAT is good, and the guy that runs the SWAT team, he's the bomb. 
Shamar Moore is his you real got name. It. He, he is was the on. Um, he used uh, to play on some of the soap operas in his. I think in his early days. Yeah, well, he was on Criminal Minds yeah. forever. That's that, that was good too. Oh, Criminal Minds is a good show. That's a little too thick for me now. It's got. Did that not get weird? It just started. It just got real weird. Like it's, you're like, man, I don't think I could do this anymore. They're like, yeah. they're running out of things to. Yeah, that, to I was write starting about. to get. You know, when they started burying people and they were alive in the yeah, ground, I thought, you know, that's gonna not let really me sleep creepy. very good. <laughs> the ones when it first came out, those they were, were the best ones. Yeah, with Gideon, I think was his character. Yeah. Hotched, wheels up in twenty. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Um. How often do you text? All the time. All the time? And I, I'm i more of a conversationalist, and I, and I like to have those conversations. But there are times in, in today's world, especially, people are running and gunning. And I guess with a, with a text, you can, you can pretty much say what you mean. And I get more feedback from a, a personalized text because I go into depth. I don't put all the emojis and the, the little quick letters to, to get it done fast. I, yeah. I spell it out just like I would if I was sending an email, which my daughter thinks I'm such so a nerd for doing that. laughing out loud? Yes. I don't. I don't <laughs> you don't use the emojis? I'm, I'm not a big LOL guy. I, I just. No, like, smiley emojis at least? I, I put smileys a and little, I'll put hearts and kisses. A little heart and kisses for the wife. For, for Ashley. But for the most part, um, I just like to say what I'm thinking, yeah. and I say it with my thumbs. <laughs> Is there a phone app you can't live without? <laughs> yeah, the Delta app. <laughs> and and that's, that's just part of doing this job. It, yeah. That makes it so simple because my pet peeve is to wait. I, I'm not a patient person at all. Never have been. I haven't Don't know that all. I ever will be. Never noticed. <laughs> Screamed at me last night. <laughs> Let's go. I locked myself out of the room. It took me all of five minutes to lock myself out of the hotel room. So I had to go to the front desk to get a key so I didn't have to deal with it when I come back. And I, he's waiting there, and I'm like, here. Let's go. <laughs> the app on Delta is outstanding because you can do everything that you need to do in a split second as long as you – are versed in what you want to do and where yeah. you want to fly and how you want to do it. And much faster than being on the phone. Yeah. And nobody puts you on hold. Oh, cause if I'm on hold, I'm hanging up. Well, you're lucky to get a live person to put you on hold. Like I call somewhere. I'm like representative <laughs> first. Tell us a few things about, so we can get you the right person. Representative first hit one. If I'm like representative, you break, you, you break the zero. Yeah. On oh, the yeah, phone. zero, 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 zero. You've entered the wrong code. Uh, okay. I'm there with you. <laughs> Online shopping or the mall? I know you like to shop. I do like to shop. I went and bought a couple of sport coats today, as a matter of fact. Really? Um, I, I like. You spend about two grand? <laughs> at least. <laughs> I like to, I, and I know this sounds weird, but I'm, I'm a touchy feely guy. And if I'm going to buy clothes, and, and I like to go shop with my wife. I like to go and pick out clothes and try them on and buy. And I, I just, I like that. And I like to be able to touch the material. 
So you like to go. You you the brick and mortar yeah, guy. You like to go to the store. Now, if I if I can order something online and I know exactly what I'm getting, yeah, then I'll do that. And I'll always get overnight shipping because I don't have enough patience to wait the extra three <laughs> days. So if something costs five dollars and I'm ordering it online, I'm probably gonna pay thirty five dollars because I'm getting overnight shipping. That's crazy. <laughs> Just the way Are you is. an Amazon Prime member? My wife is, so that means oh, I am. It's golden. <laughs> this is one of the greatest inventions ever. Well, it's like the um what's the shoe not even an invention. It's just a what's a the shoe promotion. place the the place you ordered the shoes from. I can't think of the name of it now. Uh Zappos. Zappos. That that to me was one of the, my first experiences because I could I knew the Get tennis that bad shoes. Boy, like next day, yeah, man, I knew the tennis shoes I wanted, and never I never choose them. expedited shipping on Zappos because they're it's coming, already there. They're coming quick, man. Yeah. And and the greatest turner. What what amazes me about that is that if that comes in and the size is wrong or it wasn't quite the color that you wanted, all you do is put it back in the box and set it out on the front porch and UPS comes and gets it and takes it away. Yeah. How great is that? It is. It really is. And then they send you a new pair. Matter of fact, you get a new pair before the box leaves your front porch or about the same time. I remember being on the air with you and we were doing a promotion for Kroger. Or reading a promo, I'm like, hey, you can now order online and Click pick up at the store baby. or have it delivered to your door. And then you're like, well, what about getting it from my door to my cabinets? <laughs> <laughs> can you come in there and put it up for me? It's like, I don't think they have that selection yet. But if you Not whip, yet, you whip, but they will have it. If you whip out that Benjamin, they'll probably take it on, bring it on in the house. I like click lists. <laughs> That's a great idea. Yeah. Uh, why am I going to get it to the porch, to the cabinet? <laughs> Do they have that? <laughs> Not yet, but they'll have, it'll be the cowboy selection. There you go. You can have it, pick it up at the store, delivered to your door or the cowboy way. We'll put it right in the cabinet. First celebrity crush. Farrah Fawcett. Did you have the poster? Oh, did I? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, anyone of our age range knows the poster. You don't even have to describe it. You say Farrah Fawcett, the poster. Yeah, Farrah Fawcett, that's the first, it's the first girl thing I ever. Charlie's Angels. Yeah. It, it, was, it was good, and I had it on my wall forever. Yeah. But that's, that was my first. And the thing about that, it, it wasn't just – the body of Farrah Fawcett, it was the hair. I mean. <laughs> well, the smile, the hair. I mean, the whole whole deal. But the hair. Yeah, the hair. I mean, that. <laughs> come on. The hair. Hey, Jacqueline Smith on that show wasn't too bad now. I said Farrah Fawcett. I understand, but I'm just saying Jacqueline Smith. A soft spot in my heart as well. If you could spend a day with any celebrity, who would it be? Wow. Any celebrity? Any celebrity. <laughs> I, I tell you what I tell you what I would do and I almost got to meet this guy and didn't get a chance to do it but from the time I was young until the time I went away to college and even beyond that his voice is what I always think about when I think about college football and that's Keith Jackson Keith Jackson oh and he'd be talking Oh, Alabama, first and goal against Michigan. I can't believe that. 
Oh. But and it, and it yeah, was Keith Jackson. He had yes. kind of that southern influence in his voice, but yet he he didn't stumble over words. Right. He, he was very quick and concise, but yet he gave that that Brian Dennis Stadium, Tuscaloosa, Alabama. <laughs> Love it. Um, something you can't travel without. Oh wow. By the way, the people that unload our bags, when they get to my bag or Cowboy's bag, <laughs> it's a little heavier. Now, I have a built-in excuse because I have to do these silence. Sometimes I have to bring, like, weather gear, rain gear, warm stuff, coats, ties. I mean, i got to run the gamut. I don't know what you have in your bag, but it is the heaviest thing. It's, it's heavy. Well, it's got cowboy boots on it, and <laughs> cowboy boots are heavy. I mean, it, it, let, let's think about these two things. Blue jeans, cowboy boots. I mean, that's that's they're heavy. They don't make light jeans, and they don't make light cowboy boots. If they do, somebody help me out here. <laughs> All right. Do you have a go-to karaoke song? Um, anything that Hank Williams Jr. would sing. Really? Family tradition. I could, I could probably, I could do a little Toby Keith, How Do You Like Me Now? How well, do you like me now? And that, I just saw what you just did. It ain't happening. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. You once did the square dance thing on the air for me. Yes, I did. Uh, and you all do a little Toby Keith or if Hank if Jr. I had music I could probably pull it off but not without it. No, <laughs> stop it. <laughs> I got my phone right here. Ain't happening. I've got Hank Jr. on my phone right here. Not Are you sure? That's that singing in the car with a <laughs> with a top down on the way to the ballpark. Oh, but I do man. like those 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 two guys. And I tell you who else I like um, is Luke Combs. Music singers. Yes. <laughs> You're killing me. <laughs> oh, all right, how about the square dance thing? I know the fans want to hear that. Oh, man. I'm killing you. You are killing me. <laughs> I have to be in that flow. Promenade. Promenade. And a doosie do. Alamant left and Alamant right. <laughs> And the grand right and left. <laughs> I love it. Things I get people to do. I appreciate you know, some that. Some kids have no idea even what square dancing is. They don't. You're right. You're right. <laughs> square dancing. What is that when you just dance like a nerd because you're a square? <laughs> yeah. I was, I was speaking somewhere and uh, I talked about listening to Marty and Joe on a transistor radio. And they're like, what's a transistor radio? <laughs> just Google it. I said it a few times on this podcast. Just, just Google it. We had to, you had to do it. what you had to do back then, man. Google it. To make sure you had some batteries. Um. Oh boy, I'm going through questions here because I'm keeping you a while here, and I know uh, you got dinner looming, which is I can't get in the way of dinner for uh, the cowboy. We're good. <laughs> uh, what's the best way to spend a Friday night? The best way to spend a Friday night is with my wife. And, you know, you, you learn the value of family as much as you, you travel, as much as we're away from them. Um, 
probably the, the greatest thing going right now is FaceTime. If, if you're traveling and you got FaceTime, at least you may not be there in person, but you kind of feel like you're there. Isn't it amazing? I mean, we grew up like the video games we played like were Pong. Or how about the handheld football thing with the little we dots? Were, we thought we were highly entertained. The little dots to score a touchdown, you'd have to run across the screen like 10 times. Or you put them on that little uh, aluminum board and turn the vibrating part of the machine on, and then the football, the football players would go, yeah. electric football. We're just watching. Or the, the wind-up oh, evil Knievel toy where you'd yeah. wind it up, and it would go about five feet and then fall over. And we were highly entertained. <laughs> But it's amazing we can video call each other now. That's a, it's a great asset for me. I mean, yeah, they used to I do it on Star Trek, and then now yeah. it's like a someday, maybe. Famous up, Scotty. It's beautiful. Showing our age. I'm old. I've turned into everything I used to make fun of. It's just the way it is. Twitter or Instagram? Twitter. I'm not even sure if I know how to do Instagram. <laughs> you don't? And I don't, I, got, I don't do Twitter well. Yeah. I, I'm better than I was. I got a late start on Instagram. I got, you know, a decent amount of followers on Twitter. And then it started dying off. People were like, Twitter? Instagram is where it's at, brah. And so I started on Instagram. I got a really late start. I'm not so sure I'm great on that either, but we're giving it a go. Puppy or kitten? Definitely puppy. Thank you. Yeah. Plural. I like kittens, Puppies. but I, Yeah. I like kittens, but I'm allergic to cats, so that doesn't help. But I love me some dogs. Now, what, what dogs do you have? We have two Maltese, and they look like they could be show dogs. Really? Ashley, I mean, she keeps them primo. Primo? Primo. What are their names? Rocky and Pippa. Now, that would be... Rochester. <laughs> the name of the dog is Rochester? <laughs> but we call him Rocky. And Pippa is for Pippa Longstocking, but that's wow. Pippa. First dog I've ever heard named Rochester. Wow. Rochester, get over here. <laughs> I wanted to call him Rocky Balboa, but Did she you? wasn't going for it. Oh, yeah. that would have been great. <laughs> hey, Rocky! <laughs> do you have any tattoos no no I, i'm not a tattoo person i'm not a earring person piercing none of no and and i guess that that's that goes back to how my upbringing was because if i had gotten a tattoo or had gotten an earring then i wouldn't be here right now <laughs> i'd be six feet under that dad would have killed me <laughs> That was back in the days where you actually were afraid of your dad because you didn't right. you didn't do things that were bad simply because you knew you would get in major trouble. Oh yeah, no doubt, no doubt. What would Ashley do though if he came home with a tat? I, just, I don't think she'd care, but I I would never I would never have one. What about if son Mason comes home with a tat? He's scared of his dad. <laughs> <laughs> The boy knows better. <laughs> what would your autobiography be called? Oh, wow. Living Two Dreams, man. Wow, that's very good. Oh, that's, Living uh, two that's dreams. what my mom says all the time. Really? She knows. 
because she lived through me throwing the ball against the house every single day in the garage and announcing the games to myself. I'm by myself. Now, I know that sounds kind of weird, but I would put down the, the lineup, and that, that was, that's some of the harder things that I've had to do personally since I've started doing this job is like Ray Fossey the other day when, when we were out in Oakland. I, I don't know how many times we're going to play Oakland, but I pulled him over to the side and, you know, I mean, this is probably dumb to say, but I, I just wanted to tell him this. Ray, you were my catcher on the American League team and Johnny Bench was my catcher on the National League team really? when I would announce the games. Ray Fossey. Like 1970 All-Star game. Joe Rudy. And that – that was that I just had those now. There was the cards that I had. Veda Pinson was one of the guys I had on my little lineup. My mom has all these thousands of sheets of paper that I meticulously wrote down the lineup in the batting order where I thought they should bat. I pretended that I was the announcer and I was throwing the ball and creating action. Well, then you did practice. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was just yeah, like Marty. Kidding. I did practice. I just practiced thirty years ago, pal. <laughs> wow, the truth comes out. Take that, Martin. What is the most useless talent that you have? Oh, jeez. <laughs> Some of these questions. I oh, ask I have a I don't have a whole lot of talent other than baseball. Um, <laughs> The u- most useless talent? Yeah. Um, I can snap my index finger on top of my... Put that to the mic. <laughs> <laughs> and I taught my son to do that. When do you utilize that? Just when you're... Well, guys used to do it when they Which were... Which makes it useless. Guys used great. to do it when they were dipping. Oh, and so yeah. they'd tap the top of oh, the can. Yeah, yeah. Well, I never dipped, but I thought it looked cool. So I started <laughs> practicing. <laughs> of course, I thought I was going to tear the ligament in my wrist by doing it, but it looks cool. This is a pressing question. And sometimes in some households, this is a major bone of contention. Toilet paper. You rolling it over or under? Over. <laughs> yes. Drives me nuts when it's under. I don't know why. It's like I have very few like little pet peeves like that. Over and Charmin. <laughs> so I'm, I'm particular. These things that, uh, that yeah. we learn. Speaking of useless knowledge. Yeah, that was one of them. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, um, speaking of the broadcast group we have, if you needed advice on a romantic date for your wife, which colleague are you asking? Oh wow! Although you're pretty good, right? Are you are you a romantic? I guess I think I am. I mean i i don't I don't think so well, much let's about get Ashley on the phone. I don't think so. Well, you could ask her. <laughs> I don't think so much about me as I do about her. And and I I don't know that I've always been that way. But if you're ever in a spot as a man and you get divorced, which I have been then you look at things a little differently, yeah. you know? And to be honest with you, if regardless of how it ended up, you screwed up somehow, some way it didn't work. And I don't want that to ever happen again. Yeah. I want to be a better dad and I want to be a better husband. Well said. 
All right, we'll skip over these colleague questions because I don't want you to bury me. <laughs> Both wheels of the bus. <laughs> share, share a personal fact about you that no one would guess. Is there something about you that, like, wow? Um, probably that I'm very sensitive. Really? Yeah. What way? Um, cause then I'll file well, this away you, and I, when I need to get under your skin, there, there, <laughs> there are many times where if I'm, if I'm watching a, a movie or a show that is a, a heart wrenching part of the show, if I'm sitting with, um, a bunch of guys or my buddies doesn't phase me, but if I'm by myself, you got the tears I'm going big trouble. Yes. <laughs> oh, really? Sleepless in Seattle breaks my heart. Come on. I'm telling you. And I'm not a, I mean, I'm not a big chick flick watcher, but I'm married. So there are shows that I watch. And when things come up like that, especially when it involves parents and kids or husband and wife, crushes me. The soft side. <laughs> the soft side. Of the cowboy. Sitting out on the range, just him and his horse in a campfire. And crying. And a tear came to his eyes as he thought about sleepless in Seattle. <laughs> you asked. Uh, I know. It's a, it's a good answer. And I love the fact that you're candid and you open up about that. Like I'm not afraid. The, you know, not the afraid. best way to be is just tell the truth. Wow. I am who I am. I'm happy about it. We are deep into this, by the way. This may be the longest episode yet. <laughs> I appreciate it. We're going to end with a series of true or false questions. All right. True or false, I can cook. Very true. You're actually a good cook. Some of the stuff that you I hear that you uh, cook when, in the offseason, I'm jealous. Waiting for that invite down to Mississippi to the plantation. True or false, I still do my own laundry. True. When I, only during the um, season. If I'm by myself, then I do it. Off season though, you Ashley, got it hooked up. Ashley does it. <laughs> <laughs> True or false? I'm a good handyman around the house. Oh, way false! I suck. <laughs> I don't even want to see a hammer or a saw. I don't want to cut the grass. I don't. I don't want to do any of that. Well, let me ask you this: You got to have a guy, then, right? I got a guy. <laughs> you got a guy. I got a few guys. And if he doesn't know how to do it, then he's got a guy. Painter. Yard man, roofer, <laughs> concrete guy. <laughs> True or false, I have watched The Bachelor. True. Used to watch it a lot when with my wife. Now I wouldn't watch it by myself, but she was digging it, so I, I watched it. Did you like it? I, I think I did in the beginning. I, I thought it was it was pretty entertaining, but it's just gotten to a point now where I, I probably hadn't watched it in – five or six years because the there are other shows on like the voice with Blake Shelton. I watch that like a dog. I'm Do telling you? you. Oh yeah. I'll tape that too. Really? Mm -hmm. Wow. Very nice. True or false. I have sung out loud to Justin Bieber. <laughs> I wouldn't even know a damn Bieber song. You're not a belie believer. Uh, that's what they say. I have no idea what he sings. True or false, I don't mind a good love story movie. I don't mind it. But if I had my druthers, I'd rather see the Avengers. 
<laughs> and finally, true or false, this is the greatest series of questions I've ever answered. <laughs> That's way false. <laughs> You're killing me. Oh. <laughs> uh. Well, thank you very much. Good I've time, taken man. enough of your time. Hopefully one day we'll do this again if uh, the people will still have this podcast out there. Now it's time <laughs> for a big steak. He's going to eat half a side of a cow here in moments. He's the cowboy, Jeff Brantley. Uh, pleasure to call you friend and colleague. Love you, bro. Love you, man. Thank you. All right. We thank the cowboy, Jeff Brantley, for that conversation. It was very enjoyable for me. I hope you enjoyed it. And... If you've learned anything, if you just learned one thing from this conversation, don't fall asleep with ice cream on the boiler. Just don't do it. Not easy to clean up. Not a good look. Good story to tell. Not a good look. I enjoyed the conversation with him. And we'll get him back in the future if this podcast indeed grows into the future and you can help us grow it. By spreading the word that this exists, I still get a ton of messages on social media like, I didn't even know this was going on. I didn't know you had a podcast. So that's why you see so many messages on social media just trying to get the word out because, you know, podcasts have been around for a while, but it's still new to a lot of people out there. And not everyone knows that we're doing this thing. So if you know a baseball fan out there or a Reds fan or any fan of podcasts, just let them know this bad boy exists. And please subscribe. Uh, if you'd like to leave a rating, five-star rating would be, oh, so nice. And if you want to leave them some feedback as well, I read all of those, so I appreciate it. If you'd like to follow along on social media, at Jim Day TV is where you find me, at Jim Day TV. And you can find me on Instagram and Twitter, as I said on this episode. Got a late start on Instagram. Trying to be more proficient with it. Um, Trying to get up the followers there. Pretty good following on uh, Twitter. We thank you for that. But if you'd like to follow along, just uh, give us a follow and leave some feedback. We would love to hear from you of maybe who you'd like uh, to hear on future editions of the Jim Day podcast. So once again, we'll sign off for now. Until next time, again, thank you so, so much. And we're enjoying what we're doing here. I hope you are too. Catch you next time here on the Jim Day podcast.